0: Created live on Fireside. So welcome to YNS Live. I am so, you, you guys know I say it every time, but I truly am excited to get other people's stories out. You know that. So I want to welcome you to Nikolai Tilschman. Did I say that right? No, Tishman.
1: Right? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> did I say that so right, cool Nikolai? It's slightly different. It's Tilish. Um, Tillish. so so uh, but but um, uh, and no man had to yeah exactly <laughs> I, I am a man but would we I ha- would even had to add an is. For people to be able to pronounce it where, where I live now.
0: <laughs> right. So, and the funny thing is anyone that's listening, they know that I'm dyslexic. And so my pronunciations of people's names always throws me, but I have said your name like 30 times and I don't know why. And I kept saying every once in a while, if I wasn't looking at the piece of paper, I would say, put a man on the end. And I'm like, don't, no, don't do that. <laughs> and I just freaking did that. But fun fact Nikolai is dyslexic as well. So that's one of the things that's one of the, when we first spoke, what kind of connected us, which I love. So I'm going to do a little reading. Our sponsor is Picked Cherries. Anyone that does not know about this app, you guys have to go check it out. You can get it on iOS. You can also get on Android to a podcast. And there's that little moment that you love that you want to share, but you send the whole podcast, right? There, you, you send the whole podcast. Sometimes they're an hour and you say, go to minute two, you know, two or go to minute 25.3. And you send that to your friend and and they never do. You send it to family and they never do. Well, now you can with an app called Picked Cherries. You can actually be listening. It's a podcast listener. You can listen to your favorite podcast on there and you can find that little moment that you want to send just like an IG or a TikTok and you can send it to your friends and family. So they can listen to that little snippet and then usually what happens, what has been happening with my podcast, they listen to that little snippet And then they go listen to the whole thing. So you guys have to check out Picked Cherries. Um, But I am really excited again for this episode for so many reasons. When Nikolai first met on LinkedIn, my guest, um, you know, my my listeners always love to know kind of where I meet people because I meet such a broad range of people with so many really interesting stories. And Nikolai is a leadership, um, an international leadership coach, but he is also an author. And Return on Ambition has won some awards. It's the I. BPA Benjamin uh, Benjamin Franklin Award, which is really exciting. So we connected and he was telling me about his book. And I said, You know, I want to know a little bit more about you. What is your story? And that's where the dyslexia came in. And he's like, I'm an author that's dyslexic. Like, I have a story.
1: <laughs> so
0: welcome, Nikolai, to YNS Live on Fireside.
1: Thanks so much, Julia. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it is something we share and, and I, I have struggled with names and still do, even to the extent I, I have a couple of, of clients or companies um, where where I've been very politely been told several times that I mispronouncing that means. <laughs> but right. They keep inviting me back. So apparently it's not the criteria.
0: <laughs> well, because you have so many other, you know, so many other gifts that, you know, as we know, you know, with with dyslexia, that's like a little thing. And if we people can get past it and see our greatness and what we can do with our dyslexia, with our, you know, the way we think out of the box and our big, you know, picture thinking. They can get over it. So I know when we originally spoke, and you know, you were telling me because you guys had just written this book, which is so exciting, and we're going to dive all into that. But can you give us a little background about you, where you kind of grew up, a little bit of history of who you are, and kind of what has shaped you?
1: Yeah, yes, of course. Um, so I'm Danish. Uh, my name, my name, don't reveal it, but I'm, I'm one of the most Danish persons um, <laughs> uh, you'll probably ever meet, and. Um, to, to tell you a story um my, my, my father was dyslexic and I think my grandfather was also so in the paternal line and and so for me growing up that was like quite natural that i was I was a little bit against letters I mean a little bit like it's a belief matter of belief and I don't believe in it though I was quite good at math and um I think it was in third grade I, I really had an existential crisis because suddenly we got um, uh, math exercises with text in, and I had no idea what it was about so I, I really had kind of to make a choice in life to do do, 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 do do I want to kind of compromise on the thing about not wanting to read because I, I really struggled it didn't come natural um, and 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 you have probably guessed I, I chose then to to really put an effort in and it was really tough and, and it was funny because later when i met my teachers they was like what are you doing are you at university now and again later i, I got i mean so so um when, when you graduate, then, then one, I think, of the most preferred employers is McKinsey, the, the management consultancy. And, and that was where I got my first job. And people were like, in shock. I mean, how, how is this feasible? I'd say it's pretty tough to be a management consultant and dyslexia because it also implied I had to sit up late often to really make sure to make these horrible typos that... I mean, I mean, you're very exposed when you make presentations for very senior people who are very busy. I mean, it really needs to be their bullseye. And, 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 and then in particular, some of the mistypes you can do are really funny. So, so I had to work extra hard.
0: <laughs> but you know what I love? And I know, and, and thank you for sharing that, because I know when we first spoke, one of the things that I loved that you said, that I said, you know what, I think I need to have you on my podcast, is you created relationships. And that's where you excelled. The relationships that you made along the way, and then when you got in, you know, into the job at a very high level. So, can you explain to us what those relationships mean to you, and how you kind of figured that out? What age you figured out that okay, I might struggle in school, mm-hmm. but you know what, this is a gift of mine.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's. Um, I, I would say. I think I figured it out very late, and and actually it took me a long time to understand, because clearly I I learn differently than most people do. So the majority of people sit down with a manual and read it, or buy a book and read it. And and I haven't, in in particularly my younger life, I didn't read so much. Today I read quite a lot. Um, But I happen to know a lot of things. And even in school, I mean, in some of the the, the, the courses, I, I got really, really high grades without opening the books because I just knew what it was about because I was, I was watching a lot of telly and I was always curious when I met people. So, so it's it's a little bit, I mean, your weakness can become your strengths. um, But, but also when you have weaknesses or whatever you call it, or when you're different, you, you, you use your other strengths to compensate. So, uh, but, but still to this day, I I, I have this, I, I sometimes know, the answers to things, and I have no idea how I know it, which, which is actually quite uncomfortable. So, so I'm very good at coming up with hypotheses, for instance. If, 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 I mean, you do that occasionally when in management consulting, you come up with hypotheses. I'm really good at it. <laughs> I still don't understand why. <laughs> right. I'm chatting with people, and I know, I mean, kind of, kind of put me somewhere, and I'll like, get to know everybody quite quickly. I mean, and it, it's it's always been like that.
0: Well, and that's one of our gifts, and I have to say, which I'm really happy, my dad is in the audience who is dyslexic as well, and that's where I got it from. Um, and you know that my older son has it as well. And yeah. I always am fascinating with the degrees of dyslexia, right? So some people have strengths where others don't. So like my son, and I, I would say my dad as well. They're like really knowledgeable, as you said. Like my dad knows. So much. Like, if I ever have a question that's like, I will go to my dad. Hey, and he always, like, it's always sometimes like, how do you even know that? He's like, I don't know. Like, the same as you just said. And I think my older son is going to be like that. He always knows facts because he's really curious, but he also listens when he hears something, it sticks. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that. (laughs) I'm very curious, but I wasn't as strong. When someone would say it, I would kind of need to see it written or I would need to write it myself where my son doesn't need to do that. That actually will throw him off. And so I'm always fascinated with the level of dyslexia and how people compensate and how they kind of figure it out. One of the things that my son is really, really strong at, and it always like, I just, I'm like, you're going to be so fine in life, but he always finds the person to help him. And Mm -hmm. he knows how to, and I don't want to say manipulate because that's like, I feel like that's a negative word, but he knows how to get what he needs from his teachers. Mm -hmm. And so he's always like, yeah, mom, no. And I mean, sometimes I'm like, he's like, yeah, I I got her to do it because I just said I couldn't do it (laughs) when he was younger. And I'd be like, oh, well, honey, well, you need to learn. And then I'd be like, you know what? Do you really need to know earth science? And we are not strong in math, my son and and myself. And so it was always like, you know, there's certain things that we have our strengths, as you said, and our strengths are so important, but our weaknesses to me are just as important to be aware of them and then figure Mm -hmm. out how you can work around them, whether it's people that can, you know, support you on your weaknesses or you have to figure out yourself, okay, how do I get around this? I know this is something that is really tough for me. I know I can figure it out, but then it's also the time thing. So when you were saying, when you were in management consulting, when you had to put that time in, was there ever a, a period where you had the assistance? Cause you're like, you know what, this is going to take too much of my time. And now I'm at a level where time is money, right? It's, it's, it's yeah. I need my sleep. I need to be good. How can you take us through that a little bit?
1: Yeah, that, that's interesting because I, I think Back then, I I, I didn't share that I was dyslexic. I think I used it during one of my interviews to get in because somebody kept probing me like, can you come with an example of you've had a challenge where kind of was very difficult <laughs> and I was like, I'm dyslexic and I made it to your interview and he was like, wow! Right. <laughs> but he probably forgot it. So so I kept it as a secret and, and I think uh, uh, there I had to fit into a system which was uh, of course we got a lot of support but because we often worked at very odd times and many of my clients were in the US and then different time zones. Then often it was not really feasible to get help at like really awkward times. Um, but, but, but later on, and, and I've been part of starting a couple of companies, uh, when I set my own support system up, I, I've been able to optimize it. So right. um, I, I, um, um, I, I use uh, there. There are various solutions now available publicly, but but uh, I, I get um, I get proofreading. Um, so I have a really good service for that. Uh, that there's uh, there's also an algorithm service when you write. I use that a lot, and sometimes I dictate and then I get transcripts just to cut a corner when I need to write something quickly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But but those are the things that. I feel like nowadays, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but nowadays there's so many more like things to help, right? Like I know when my dad was younger, there was nothing, and it wasn't really even dyslexia wasn't really you know a word. Probably it was like you just are not good in school, you know, you're just not. And his brother was really good in school. His brother went to Harvard and Yale, and and I I know I'm getting those, but he went, you know, he's an, an attorney, and so it was a one of those things that it was like okay, well, these are your strengths, but you're not good in school. And so it probably was constantly like, you're good at this, you're good at that. And um, nowadays, I remember when when Montgomery was, my oldest was uh, diagnosed, I, I went to my dad and I'm like, all right, tell me the things now that really help you. You know, I'm really curious yeah. on those things that really help you because I know what helped me in school, but I'm not in school anymore. And I know that you've worked, you know, now have had so much you know, growth in your life because you're older, you know, the experiences we can all kind of um, talk about our stories and our experiences and how we learn from those. But so it was, you know, and he'd be like, okay, this this dictation really worked for me well, but this one didn't. But when I, you know, when my son was younger and he was in school and we were learning about that, I was staying home with the kids. So I wasn't using these tools, but my dad was in the workforce. So he was using them. So it really helped mm-hmm. me to be able to tap right. into him and say, okay, tell me the shit ones and tell me which ones work. And, and it was a really great collaboration and and great to have someone that understood you know, I think that's one of the things that is so important for us to feel understood. Like, you know, when you have a teacher that's like, oh, just try harder. And you're like, I can't try harder to spell asshole. I mean, excuse my language, but,
1: you know. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's actually, I mean, this is the funny thing. This lecture is so difficult to spell. Oh, it's torture. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It really, it really is. And my children's names are Montgomery, Truman, and Penelope. And I have to still, when I spell their names, I have to say it out loud as I spell. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I think tired. my mom I mean, was I like, spell
1: my own name, but, but that is like, then I'm very tired. So, uh, right, but, but it's beautiful. I, I think also because now you share a couple of stories from, from your family. And um, I, I think, I think, I've come across so many people who thought very different than others. Um, some of them has this lecture, have this lecture. Some, some don't, but th- th- there's really a beauty that that people, despite being different, now get better chances than before. And um, I, I, I would actually say that that. Um, it, it took me a long time to realize that, that several of the people that really like listening to have ADHD. Oh, <laughs> I mean, we know, have that too. But suddenly <laughs> it was like, wow. Uh, yeah, because they're like upbeat and like a lot of things is happening and they connect things. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it's difficult to, to stereotype or, 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 or in that way categorize. But, but I, I just actually noticed that, that a lot of the people I really enjoy kind of listening to and sharing ideas with have an energy level that is very different than other people
0: (laughs) right right and it's but so that is and i love that you you pointed that out it is nowadays in society it is talked about more but you know i still think in public school here especially in the us we're still so far behind i know we have tools and stuff but there's so many teachers that still don't get it and it's really frustrating especially having a son going through it it's like okay you know, constantly, we need to work on his weaknesses. Well, how about his two strengths that are really, really good? I mean, he's really good in English, and he's really good in in history. Why are we constantly harping on the science and the math? He's not going to be a scientist, and he's not going to be a mathematician. So let's just kind of work on the strengths, and they still don't get it. And I understand that you have to get past those classes and again, that's part of it. I'm like, why? Like, why do we need to take earth science still in this day and age if that's not going to be a focus? What are, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I, I, I attended a dinner party and I, I shared my view on, on, on the school systems of today. And even, even though my kids have always been very lucky in terms of which schools they got into and... How dedicated teachers they had! I think that that's really important to have dedicated teachers. So we've been been very lucky in many ways, but but still, I'm 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 really concerned because the competition to get you mentioned Harvard. I mean, the competition to get into Harvard now is so brutal. I mean, when, when 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 I was young, I mean, if you knew about Harvard, then you had an advantage because most people didn't. Now, I mean, you have people all over the world that will all over the world g- given arm to get into Harvard, and that also means that what determines who gets in become more and more marginal. Um, so, so I'm I'm really concerned that it's a little bit like it, it becomes a system where where people work harder and harder and optimize the way they work to get through these like uh, kind of uh, test and, and and in particular it's, it's, the American school system use a lot of multiple choice, which, which I'm, I'm very concerned about because it's it's it, it's it's a different way of learning. I mean you you. Um, It's a very narrow way of learning, and there's a lot that is important that is not captured through those tests. So, I was just ventilating my kind of uh, my my skepticism towards the school system. And one of our really, really good friends, as she said to me, Nikolai, if that's your attitude, I don't think your kids will get a good job. And, and it, it just occurred to me and I said out loud that I would actually be really happy because I think if the problem repeats itself in a lot of big corporations, I'd love to see my kids being artists or entrepreneurs.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that.
1: <laughs> and, and, and I think actually, and this is the funny thing, that it, it's about 10% of the uh, adult population in the Western world um, that, that, um, that has uh, you, you estimate have, has this lecture. And when you look at it in, in corporate jobs, it's only about three percent of managers who have dyslexia, so that means it's a significant underrepresentation of dyslexic people. But when you look at entrepreneurs, there's an estimate that thirty percent of entrepreneurs have dyslexia. Oh, so, wow. so there you have a little bit like a space where creativity is needed. One of the things um, that that so I, I read about this study, and and, and one of the kind of uh, perspectives was that people with dyslexia is all, I mean, they are forced to make their own path. They, they cannot expect to be competitive in the traditional path. So they are forced to make their own path. And also, and I recall this from school, I mean, they, they I mean, we uh, get used to in a very young age to delegate because when when there's too much text we're dependent on somebody else to read it for us. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> and I love that you said that because that was one thing the teachers early on would say to my son, like you know, say to us. Well, he always gets the group and he he'll tell everyone else what to do, and half of the time they're doing all his work. But he's like, and then I'll present it. <laughs> but that's those are the life skills that that's what we need, and that's where it's so frustrating proper education is, I mean, it's, it's really not teaching you. It hasn't evolved since basically what my dad and, and we have been in school. And that's, what's so crazy to me. I'm like, okay, you have more things, more support. Yes. So I'm going to throw that out there. There is more support than when we were in school. However, it's still that narrow mind and that narrow mind is not a dyslexic mind. I actually was speaking to someone that's going to be a guest on my podcast and she is a you know really into the right and left brain and mm-hmm. how we don't we don't really highlight is it the right brain that we don't really hide? is that the creative side of the brain whatever is the creative side there's not enough of it and not enough is tapped into and appreciated with that mm-hmm. creative brain and how important that creative brain is to have in the world.
1: Yeah, it's, it's um, again, back to my concern about the school system, I think a lot of the exams are about whether you make mistakes, I mean, either directly or indirectly, that it's about to do things flawlessly. While, mm-hmm. while I think um, when, when you look at super creative people, they actually do a lot of mistakes. I mean, mistakes is a part of the whole creative process. Um so so, um, and, and again, I, I have um, I've had great luck in in my professional life to work with really outstanding people. So so, it's in no way a criticism of, of, of anybody, but occasionally I'm still also surprised about how little imagination well-educated people have.
0: <laughs> right, it's true though. It really is true. So that I would love to know. I mean, I, I you and I could talk about this literally <laughs>
1: exactly. you know, forever. Have I have do want to we we so Well, <laughs> <laughs> right. and,
0: and that was one thing when we did. I mean, the thing that I loved is when we connected, it was really cool because you were telling me about this and that. And I was like, that's a really interesting part, but I want to know more about you. I want to know more about who you are. And yeah. that's what you know, where we're really connected. So do any of your children have dyslexia?
1: We don't think so. And and actually I, I kept it a little bit as a secret for them um, because I, I wanted them to be diagnosed if, if, if they had the diagnosis. So we, we have a suspicion that our daughter who's 13 potentially have a little bit, but, but she had been tested and it, it, it's not strong. I mean, they also, um, we have two children. So um, 11 and 13, and, and, and both of them are perfect bilinguists. So their first language is English, because we have lived abroad. Uh, so, so they have lived right. in the first... Um, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, they've only been in Denmark for the last two years. So so now they, they have to learn a new language in terms of writing and, and, and reading, uh, which they have done, but not as much as, as you would do as a, as a native. So, so they struggle a little. So... Um, no, I, I don't think they have it, but but I also we really spent time t- talking with the teachers about there was a high probability uh, of it and and um, and how it would materialize. I have a niece who is uh, who is dyslexic, and I'm I'm her great hero because she, she she's very proud that you can actually write books even though you <laughs> you have dyslexia.
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing, and I love that that's what you did, and I feel like that is though such a common thing with us with dyslexia when you fail so many times growing up you're not nervous to tackle things and that's you know very prevalent with your whole career you jumped into things and i think that's one of the things that people that don't struggle that really just kind of live life on that straight path they don't take those you know they don't they don't go out and explore they don't go out and take risks and i i think that's sad like i that's one of the things i love about my dyslexia is that you know, and I never really thought about it until I really started creating this podcast and it really started growing and my story started growing. But, you know, people said, when you started your podcast, like, what made you want to do that? And I said, well, I love stories. I wanted a platform. <laughs> oh, can you hear my dog? Oh, my gosh. Um, so it was like a very, you know... Su- story. <laughs> oh, my gosh, my microphone really picked that up. Usually we don't. I have this new microphone. Um, so, sorry about that. But so it was a really, you know, surprising thing is... You know what? I'm going to have you continue because I'm going to let my, this is like insane. Tell a yeah, tell story. Yeah. Tell us a story, please. Hold on one second. I want to turn my mute up. But tell us a little bit about where your career went, you know, from, you know, where you went out and really took those jumps and those leaps to be like, you know what? I want this in my life. So if you share that a little bit, I'm gonna let my dog out of my room.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny when you ask because when you look at it from the outside, you can see that I, I suffered from dyslexia. I was I was also at university. Where I was part of contributing significantly to two books, and and then later have been that was in Danish actually, and then um, and then then later have been been writing two books. Um, uh, in my capacity as a leadership coach, which I've done for the last decade, uh, a little bit more actually. But but um, I, I I've finished my, my exams in economics, uh, went to McKinsey for some years, uh, got a couple of promotions and all this stuff, did quite well, but always wanted to start my own business. And then... Um, I have, um, in three rounds, been a very, you can say, central person in starting a business for a big international corporations. So I so, um, actually think all three of them are Fortune 500. They must be. Uh, and then afterwards, I've been starting two businesses of my own. Um, so so from the outside, you would never, ever guess that I'm dyslexic. Um and I also think it's something I to some extent have been overcoming, though, again, when I'm tired and occasionally I work very hard and I get very tired, <laughs> then, then, then I can, I, I, I can feel that, that talking with people is much more natural than, than reading and writing. But, but otherwise, it, it works reasonably. Julia, are you there?
0: Are you guys out there? Can you hear me? Oh, I think we lost Nikolai. Can you hear me? Yeah, I think we we lost you for a second.
1: Okay, but you can hear me again?
0: Yep, I'm gonna put you on um on video. Hold on one second. There we can you hear oh, me? Okay. There you are. Okay, okay so okay. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what happened. I think there's I feel like the world right now there's a lot of like internet stuff <laughs> going on. Um but so what what we were you were saying is which I loved. You were talking about your leadership and in the in the jobs that you got and that you really, you know, you didn't talk about your dyslexia and it really never came up and you worked really hard and I think the one thing that is so important that people don't realize is when you are dyslexic and you use your brain and you work really, really hard, it exhausts you to an extent. So like people will say to me, I'm so tired. Like how can you talk and like do interviews all day long and not get tired? Because that's effortless, effortless for me. That does not take anything away from me because that is one of my really good skills. But if I had to sit and read something, <laughs> I'd fall asleep in probably 20 minutes. Because that is using a part of my brain that I have to work really hard on. So, I would love for you to touch on that because you've now said that like twice. And I know with my son, when he went to a dyslexic school, the difference of how tired he was when he came home versus when he comes home from public school. Because I'm half of the time I'm like he's he's not he's taking in what he needs, but he's not working on the really hard stuff because they're not you know they don't know how to do it. But touch on that a
1: little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I would actually say that that um, I, I have learned to work so hard <laughs> that it's become a part of my personality for good and for bad. And, right. and um, in the book uh, that, that I wrote with another guy also called Nikolai, I mean, we talk about frenemies, which is basically the virtues of ambitious people, but that these virtues often turn into, I mean, they're not only your best friends, but they're also your worst enemies. And and um, one of these is perseverance. And I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of a living example of that. And that means that it, it, it's not until I became a father, which, which was relatively late, um, that I really started confronting myself with it. Uh, so, so I really had... Um, this extra drive—I've been working tremendously hard, and uh, that, of course, had been an advantage. But but it's also it became habitual. So it's like I, I tended to overcommit. I tended to if person said this is this is impossible, I was like, <laughs> 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 "I'll disprove you." <laughs> right.
0: Nothing's yeah, impossible.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. So there's an attitude which, of course, occasionally professional had been such an advantage because. I mean, people said, you can try this, but we don't think it would work out. And I mean, I came back and kind of, it worked out. Um, and I've done this over and over again, but, but, but it also, I think it becomes, so, so it's beautiful to have this ability, but it's also a liability because it, it, it means I could see it with, with my, 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 uh, I mean, our children that um, t- to be fully present father, I mean, mean that I cannot sit and work like 20 hours a day, which I've done in long periods of time. It's just, right. it's just it's, it, you can just not combine.
0: Now, do, are you, because I mean, I feel like that's something that we all strive to have that work-life balance. And when people always mm-hmm. say that, I'm like, uh, I mean, you, you do your best, right? You, you, you know, I know my kids, when I'm doing work, when it's usually like family time or whatever, I'll say to them, listen, if you guys really need me or this is really annoying me because I'm usually multitasking and doing something, um, just say, Mom, I need you. You need to focus on me. And then we'll be good. Don't resent that I'm doing this work because I'm building something that's really special. And the way I work is, like you if i you know if i'm turning it off it really never gets turned off like my husband's really good at being like okay i'm working i'm not working for me it's always kind of like if i get an email or something pops up i have to do it right then because if i don't it's going to stay on my mind or i completely forget about it so mm-hmm. i need to kind of do it there so i think that is you know the whole work life balance is is really not a farce cuz i don't want to say that but it's it's really something that we all kind of strive for but I think within each family it's how it works best for each family so how how have you kind of now that you have kids that are you know 11 and 13 and you know how have you kind of balanced that
1: uh, it's, it's funny because we also write a bit about it in the book but but i'm very honest that i'm really not an expert in in the sense I mean, I, I'm, I'm often violating it. I mean, I'm, I'm often incapable of keeping that balance. Um, so, um, I, I think it's really difficult, and 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 I think also, um, and and um, I, I might kind of self legitimize, but but I, I think actually. It, that, that the kids also experience that occasionally I'm busy. So I've just had three weeks where I was in Portugal with one client and then I was in Italy with another client and then I was in Cyprus with a third client. And then I came home and I had like a lot of calls because it has been quite intense. So I needed to catch up with some of the clients I worked with on a more regular basis. So that was kind of a crunch time. And, and I think... Um, we talk a lot about now. I've had a period that was extra intense, and and I think that's important. Um, and and when that is said, I think I think I like the way you you talk about it as as a family thing because it's really also how you are as a family. I mean, my, my wife also works. Um, so so, uh, but 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 we talk a lot about how how we can do in a way where things work out. So, for instance, we have had a rule that. We could not at the same time travel abroad. Right. Uh, and and also because we lived abroad. So if you live abroad and both are traveling and you have two kids who are home, but in a place that is abroad, it, it started becoming, I mean, and also we lived in a part of the world where, I'd, I'd say, um, we lived in Dubai, it's very close to Iran. So, so right. <laughs> I mean, to suddenly, if something happened and had two kids there, not being there would be uh, horrible. So we, I, I mean, sorry, that, that was a little bit off track. But but my no, point not here not. is, I think I think the, the, the balance is, uh, of, of course, the easy thing is to try to do as little as possible. But but if you try to live a, live a very rich and exciting life, uh, it is something where you also need to be open to the fact that it's not perfect all the time. But on the other hand, I, I guess the kid's life would would have periods uh, where where they also deeply engaged and, and they are very active and they have a lot of friends and we have arranged ourselves. Um, so, so, um, yeah, it's, it's a Would long you... answer. It, it, it's not as clean and clinical as it could be. So occasionally it's messy, but, but I like, I love my, lo- uh, li- my, 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 my life and I love my work and, and there's plenty of both. And there's also a lot of time for the kids.
0: Which I love. I mean, and I think, again, as I said, like, it's important to have that open communication. Like, as I said, I've said to the kids, like, listen, I'm growing something. I don't, I didn't anticipate it to go where it is and I'm loving it. And so I really want to, you know, continue it. But it doesn't mean that you're now left behind. You guys are the most important, you know, little three people in my life. If you need me, I will drop everything, whether I have a live show or what it is. And they know that you know so i feel like if they know that it's like okay you know let mom mom's happy this is great she's doing something she loves and i think it's really important my kids also see that i'm just not sitting around and and that's okay if that's okay for someone but i have ambitions i you know i stayed home i you know i left a career to raise them to be home because that was important to me and that's what i wanted to do and that worked for our family and now that they're older they don't need me in the same way, but I need to continue to grow. I don't want to just yeah. stay there and be stagnant cuz I, you know, for me being bored or being like restless is like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> I need to be doing <laughs> and they know that. So, yeah. you know, I think that your answer was beautiful. It's right. like you you guys have rules, okay, this is we both can't be out of the country and and the kids know that, you know, that okay, mom and dad, you know, so they know that you're talking about it, right? I mean, you're open with it. This is what we're not doing, this is what we're doing. Um i think is 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 really important yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah um, and I think you say something that is really important is that i mean I can send your energy from our conversations and and, and, and uh, i think it, it it it's very inspiring and and i think i think that Ida and i to to our kids will also be inspiring in the way that they can see that i mean none of us have a job we hate uh, or, or dislike i mean there right. can be times where it's like oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hate sending invoices, but but we keep doing it.. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> no, really I find it incredibly boring but, but um, uh, that, that they grow up with parents who, who lives active lives uh, both professionally and socially and, 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 and in that way, I mean they don't need to live in the same way, but at least it, it's not we, we try to kind of slow things down uh, to, to find a balance, but that we have a balance, uh, with a lot of plates spinning at the same time.
0: Which I think, as you said, is important because I think that's one of, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I started the whole podcast. And then it, you know, as I said, it kind of blew up to something else, but it was really talking to people that was like, you know, I want you guys not to be miserable in your life. It doesn't matter how much money you make, it doesn't matter where you live. Like you can make changes. You're not a tree. You don't need to stay where you are. And if you're miserable in your job, what does that say? What what does that say to your kids? What does that say to your family? Um but also what does that say to you? You know, we have one life. You might as well try to do the best that you can in exploring something that's going to make you happy. You want to be, you know, waking up and, you know, I've, I've talked about this many times in the podcast. I don't wake up every day and be like, woohoo! You know, that's, that's <laughs> I get grumpy, I get tired. But for the most part, I'm excited to wake yeah. up to see who I'm talking to, have a conversation like we're having, learning about what you're doing because that's the thing we can all learn from each other. We all have stories that we can learn from each other. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, what your education is, what your position is in, in life. We can all learn from each other and I think inspire each other. So I love what you're doing and I would love now for you to talk a little bit more about the book and how that kind of came about. You know, you and Nikolai, Nikolai and Nikolai. <laughs> um, yes. You know, how did that, how did you guys decide we're going to write a book? Was that you? Was that him? Give us a little background on that.
1: Uh, it, it, it's clearly his fault. <laughs> 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 so I had written a very practical book about uh, leadership in, in difficult context. And, and he happened to my, be my client or, you know, or, he, he was with McKinsey. So the same company as I had worked in earlier. So, so I did some work with them and and he was one of my my core contact persons. So he came and said, should we write a book? And um, I I found it interesting for many reasons. And we started writing it. It would be where my first book was very practical. This should be a book about the big questions in leadership. And I came back to him and said, this is too big. This is simply too ambitious. And, and we had a long conversation
0: wow you did
1: huh yeah 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 now but, but it was really i mean it was it was so one of the trends in leadership over the last about yeah i don't know 5 10 20 years have been that that is important to define what is the meaning in life and and, and it's almost like leadership and the way you build organizations have become kind of a substitute for, for faith and, and life philosophies. So, so when you ask the big questions in leadership, it becomes really existential, like, what is the meaning of life? Kind of. <laughs> and, and, and why it's oh, easy. God. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, that, that's actually very, very kind of well-placed in this context because you, you get into that whole <laughs> religious thing also. <laughs> and then we talked about it and we talked about our ambition and then, bang! Nobody has written about ambition, if you look at it. If, if you type ambition into uh, uh, Amazon, um, there are very few books that pop up. And it, 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 it's interesting because this is ultimately what drives much in, in the world. That's people's aspirations, their ambitions. And, and I think one of the reasons is that when you look at the research around ambition, it, it's actually... Um, Showing how dangerous it is to be ambitious. I mean, when you look at the psychology research, um, so when you are very ambitious, you you are more likely to uh, develop workaholism, vircul- depression, stress, burnout, etc., um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's one of hmm. these longitude studies that showed that that ambitious people seem to actually be living longer, but 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 that's one of the few, and it's it's really like a byproduct of a bigger study. It's not focused on ambition, so suddenly we also realize that that when we because we have worked with incredibly ambitious people and i would say it's a common denominator for all my clients i I tend to attract people who are very very ambitious and and you, you can say a lot of people struggle in their leadership is actually their own ambition because they identify with this like future version of themselves that is even more successful than they already are and and that also means they become very um uh, fragile because they, they, they often kind of feel that they're not doing well enough, things are not going fast enough, etc. So we wrote a dedicated book about ambition. And, and the title, Return on Ambition, comes from uh, actually a very scary thing we found out because we asked a lot of people. So we, we did an international survey of internet uh, of, of ambitious people. And, and the people who like self-declared um, as, as ambitious, uh, 43% of them admitted that they occasionally were in doubt about whether all their ambitious efforts would pay off. See, this is really significant. It's almost half. Yeah. That doubt whether it's worth it. So, so that, that, that motivated, but we talked about, like, how do you get a proper return on your ambition? So it might be by, by, by working less, but, but achieving the same, or it might be by, by putting in a similar effort as today, but then become much more successful. So that that's what the book is really about.
0: I love it. And you know what you said, I mean and and you know it's an old cliche but likes attract likes. When you said you have a lot of clients that are ambitious. I mean, w- when we first opened up the show, you talked about, you know, you're an ambitious person. <laughs> so,
1: yeah.
0: I think it's it is it is really fascinating and working with people that you kind of have, you know, obviously you learn about people, you you know, but in life we come across people that you know, you right away click with, and then there's the people that you don't. And it's always, it always fascinates me the people that it's like uncomfortable when you're having a conversation with, with them. And you're like, I don't understand why they don't seem to understand me. (laughs) And it's just like a, it's like an energy thing or a weird vibe. Um, but when you work with people that have that same sort of ambition, same sort of spunk, same sort of, you know, it's some sort of energy, you know, I have a lot of energy, obviously, we've talked about that. And so not everyone has my energy. Um, I see Katie Brinkley in the uh, in the uh, audience there. She has that. Um, but so it is really an interesting thing. So as you dove into this book, um, what were some of the others? And I love that you kind of uh, pointed out that percentage. And I think that percentage is something in life. I mean, when we all tackle something, you know, it's a 50-50 chance if it's going to work out or if it's not going to work out. And a lot of times for me, you know, I believe in God and I really do believe that we all have a path. Um, And I talk about on this podcast a lot about the fact that we should daydream. You should find that space to daydream, whether some people call it meditating, I call it daydream. I know that I can't just sit on a mat and clear my head and oh um, and do that because then I think of the laundry and all the things that I haven't done around the house. But if I'm walking, if I'm moving, is when I get my best creative the, you know, thoughts, or that's when I can really daydream the best. And so that's when I came up with the podcast. That's when I come up, you know, when I, you know, if I've talked to guests, like, okay, how do I see this coming about? So when you were writing the book and really kind of diving into it. What were some of the things that, you know, other than the percentage that stood out, what were some of the other things that you were like, wow, I need, I need to get this book out, but I also am, am really fascinated about this as well.
1: I mean, I think that there are a couple of candidates. So, so one was, we saw that the people who are really successful over time, so continuously successful, not just one hit wonders, that. Both through our survey, but also through in-depth interview, and also we we went through related research and more or less everything we could uh, everything we could find. And and there seemed to be that that people who are really successful over time they they nurture their personal growth and learning. You talked about learning,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and also they are very cautious about their well-being and well-being more than just like physical health, mental health, social. Uh, um, uh, life uh, spiritual life and uh, I, I think that that's important and it's also you, you referred to work-life balance earlier I mean it's such a funny notion because it sounds like work is not part of life I mean, uh, but, but but when you look at these three at the same time and say you need to nurture all three and if you make a compromise on one of them then the two others will go down over time we saw that again and again and there's a lot of research showing it that that each of these three achievement growth and well-being they, they are closely interrelated and, and um, uh, uh, self-enforcing um, or, or, or destabilitating for each other if you don't, if you don't nurture them. Um, so that, that was one. And the other thing I would say is that when you really spend time thinking about your own ambition, and you do so when you write a book about ambition, it, it also suddenly becomes an object you, you, you can hold up and start looking at. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, it's been such a significant part of my identity that people said, do you know, Nikolai, he's so successful and he's done this and he's dead. And he was. I, was, I was 29 years old when I was appointed managing director for a pretty hot company. Uh, <laughs> and so it was like that that whole identity around the success, was, 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 I mean, I, I couldn't separate it from myself. And, and now, uh, maybe because of age, it became easier, but also... And, and that, that's one of the things we give the readers uh, in the book. Um, uh, time to really reflect on what's what, what your ambition. And, and um, also the thing with frenemy is that, that there are a lot of things that have become such an integrated part of yourself. You don't notice it anymore. But sometimes right. it's actually making life much more difficult for you. It, may, it becomes much more difficult to achieve what you would like to achieve. And it becomes really difficult to nurture these, like... And I, I can see, I mean... I've had periods of time where I gained like 50 pounds, and that's quite a lot. I'm I'm quite tall, but but still not so <laughs> right. tall that you don't notice it. He <laughs> <It> doesn't hide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I've had long periods of time where I barely slept, which is super unhealthy. But 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 it it, 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 it it's, it's funny because at that time, I mean, I was very successful and I had a very rich social life, so I didn't see any other alternative than just kind of uh be out there but but of course it's not been healthy so so the more you can take these things up and not being subject to them but but take them up and look at them in in more as an object you can also choose like what what's really the most important thing here what is less important what what don't you need to do as fast yeah
0: and and so i love that you talked about that because i know for me when i was younger i could literally five hours was good and i was i could live on five hours of sleep a night like it it didn't bother me and i remember the kind of the period where all of a sudden i realized oh crap i kind of like sleeping now (laughs) i can't wait to go to sleep (laughs) and i also know that if i don't get a good night's sleep My podcast interviews are not the same because my brain is not as clear. And it's so many different things that sometimes it's frustrating because I'm like, I loved in that day where I could go, I could party all night, you know, I could sleep for four hours, I could wake up and I was, you know, still crisp and, you know, I, I could still do things. Um, and then that time where it was like, okay, I mean, kids, you know, you also learn in there, you know, adrenaline for so many years when they weren't sleeping, you weren't sleeping. Um, But then as you as you get older, it's the same with with nutrition, it's sleep. And it's so interesting that those kind of things are more top of mind where when we're younger and we're working really hard and things are coming, you know, and and your body's not breaking down, but I feel like as you get older, you become more aware of it. Is that something, do you agree with that? Or is it something that do you think physically it's harder? So do you think it's a more of a mind or body?
1: I I, I think it's both. Uh, I mean, without doubt, the the body restitute less well. I mean, as you age, Uh, But but I think, um, and and there's some pretty solid research about it, um, our ability to remember uh, our feelings is pretty poor. Mm. That means uh, when we look back in life at periods of time where we have been sleeping very little, worked very hard, we have a very poor recollection of this ongoing noise level, this ongoing kind of... uh, unpleasant. I mean, it, 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 we, we don't remember it. We, we, we typically remember the peaks of experiences. So, so, right. uh, and I can see it now when I occasionally work with, with the leaders who have been moving up very quickly and therefore are relatively young and, and sit in the kind of positions that I typically work with as a coach. And, uh, it's funny because they, they probably believe that they can sleep so little and nobody notices. But when I sit with them, it's like you notice. I, it's like I, I can barely keep your attention for more than a few seconds at a time. I mean, um, <clears throat> um, uh, yeah, I would I would say I, I can see in some people how this belief that they don't need to sleep uh, that affect their leadership. And it's their um, struggles to be fully present and to listen to other people. Uh, that that and it's not uncommon in corporate environments when you get at the very high level that people are like very switched on and things go very fast. But when you actually sit in and, and and observe, part of my job is to sit and observe leadership teams. Uh, in between, we do like active active work with them, but, but, but so I observe a lot of teams, and <clears throat> it's quite interesting. You put these incredibly well-paid people who are super intelligent and really hardworking into a room and often what happens in there is pretty dysfunctional because people didn't don't pick, pick up crew, crew, uh, clues from each other. They, they right. didn't have a debate where you... Sometimes I'm asked if I can give feedback after having observed and sometimes I really need to, to, to weigh my words very carefully because it's like the, 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 the quality of the discussion don't reflect the intelligence in the room.
0: I love how you just said that. And I could totally picture it because and I think anyone in the audience can picture that wherever anyone's listening, because again, sleep is so important. And you do, there's an irritability when someone's not getting enough sleep. And I you could see that in so many different levels from a child to, you know, a mid mid midlife person to a young person to an older person. And mm-hmm. A lot of times in certain circles sleep is not talked about as you know it's it's like you don't you just do it because you have to but it's not like an an essential thing like so it always fascinated with like surgeons like how do they actually do that i know their body gets used to it because they have like a different sleep cycle but still i never think that that's like a good thing i'm like you know it's it's sleep is so i know so important for me as I've gotten older for my brain, when I'm having a conversation, as you said, when I'm sitting here and listening, if I'm tired, I'm more distracted.
1: And it's, it's, and I know in the U S when, when you're an intern, uh, so when you have have finished your studies and start working in the hospitals, it's not unusual to work 100, 110 hours a a, a, a week. Yeah. And and it's, it's really odd Um so, of course, this, this is a very critical phase for people professionally because th- this is where they make their name. And uh, it, it, if you become like an, 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 an acknowledged doctor in the U.S., you, you can really make a lot of money. So I can also understand why people really have an incentive to give themselves fully. Um, um, but, but without doubt, I mean, th- th- this hurt most people's position and their productivity. So, so, so it's one of these things where I can fully understand why each individual worked like that because so much is at stake for them. Right. But but when you look at it, it it's really not optimal from a hospital's point of view. That, That's my strong view. Um,
0: no, totally. And also having a surgeon, <laughs> you think about it, like I want a well-rested surgeon. I don't want someone that's been, you know, and I know the surgeons when they get to that level, they they're not working those crazy hours. You know, it's more... Specific, but like when when as you said, with the interns, you, you kind of are like, oh, interesting. Cause you know what. And and as you become more, you know, older, you're more aware of things. I mean, that's just, you know, even when your parents were when you were younger, oh, I just know because I'm older. You know, I mean, still my kids get so frustrated. Well, how do you know? I'm like, because I've lived. Like I've lived life. i I know these things. It's annoying. Trust me. I'm ahead I of you. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's exactly what it is. I mean, it really is. So Nikolai, I would love for you just to, so do you think there's going to be more books? I mean, that's, that fascinates me. I mean, again, when we talked, it was, you know, you're like, I'm dyslexic and I wrote a book. Um, And I know there's other dyslexics out there that maybe wouldn't even ever think about it because words are hard. Um, But you did it very successfully. I mean, you've won awards for it. Um, Do you think there's more books or is that, was that like a, you know what, I did it and I love that I did it, but I'm not going to do any more.
1: No, I, I, I think I will write um, at least one more book. I, I have an idea. I actually had it already when Nikolai approached me, which is oh, seven years that. ago now. So that book needs to get out at some point. But it, it is really a love-hate relationship, that, that thing. And I, I and I know the same also for, for non-dyslexic <laughs> authors, that, that when you sit down with this completely clean Piece of paper, or you, of course you do it in a computer in most cases. But still, you start out in in in, in a document that is clean. That, that's such a beautiful thing, right? I mean. And then then when you're through the third editing round with a really ambitious <laughs> publisher, it's hell. It's so bad,
0: <laughs> right? So that's so fascinating. Uh, so, what was your what did you find the most difficult part of the writing?
1: I think we had a really good partnership, Nikolai and and myself, when we wrote it. So we wrote parts of the book together, and and he wrote one part, I wrote another part. Um, So so I think in many ways that that worked really well, and we were very lucky. We had three editors um, in in, in various rounds that were also really, really uh, uh, helpful. Um, One part that was really tough, and I was actually with him here a few days ago, we gave each other so blunt feedback that it was really emotionally tough. Uh, right. Uh, and I think the book would never have become as good as it became had we not been so, I mean, brutally honest to each other. Right. Um, and that's so I communication. Think that, I, think, yeah, that, I think that that part of it uh, is tough when you write with somebody else. Uh, and I think the same goes also if you were, I mean, a lot of dyslexic people, I have, a, have an impression when they write books, they're, they, they, Work with ghostwriters, we didn't. Um, another is that so much is written uh, about leadership. Now, our book is about ambition, so it's, it's a bit broader, but but uh, I've really been fighting with myself about are we putting something down here just because it sounds cool, it will actually make a difference. Is this, I mean, is it out there already? That, that, right. that whole uncertainty of of actually having ideas that that are clear and valuable and unique and are presented in a way where where people get them easily and it's also done in a practical way that that's brutal,
0: <laughs> right? I mean, it really is. I mean, just the process. I've talked to you know other writers, and just the process to me seems overwhelming. So I, I have to ask this too because I know for me, what what I have that I want to say, if I I'm going to write what I'm going to say. It never comes out the same way. Like that's where my dyslexia is. Like I have to verbalize everything. I need to voice notes because it doesn't. And like, if my friend is texting me and has like a long, you know, a long question, I'm like, I got to voice text you. And now there's a lot of people in my life that don't love my voice text, my husband being one of them. But I'm like, honey, if you're going to ask me a question, I'm not, I'm not typing it. I can Voice, you know, I can, you know, voice note where it's picking up my words instead of just my voice. But half of the time, it, I have to go through it, and I don't know. Like, it's there's always so many mistakes. So, did you put pen to paper? Like, what was in your brain? You put it on paper, or did you voice that into an app that then transcribed it for you?
1: I mean, the book book was was written, uh, but but I can I I was I was laughing when you're we telling about it because I also have a lot of friends that that. Writes me this kind of text message saying "thank you so much for your podcast. I'll listen to it if I get time," <laughs> right. it's so much easier. Um, and sometimes <laughs> I feel it's also so much more personal. And and I spend a lot of time even on text messages or emails to get them them right. Um, so people tell I'm very good at it, but I also spend more time than most to 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 to, to be precise. Um, yeah, I, I mean. It, it, it's funny because I, I think when you leave a voicemail, uh, you say things once, and, and in, in the broad scheme of things, you say it right. And, and you, I mean, it, it works really well for me. But, but then again, this is for one person. When you write something that, <laughs> that thousands of people will, will read and, and millions have access to in eternity, then, then suddenly there is some, some, at least for me, that I really want to get it right. And that, that also means that it's a very iterative writing process, that, that, uh, that there's one chapter in the book that, I, I, I mean, it could have been a whole book in itself. And I, I think I've, I've spent, I don't know, three weeks on that chapter. Wow. I think it's a really good chapter now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I'm sure it is. I mean, but that's what I love. You can, I mean, the thing is, and again, I don't think people appreciate because not all, you know, not all dyslexic people. As we talked about in the beginning, we there are certain things we have certain strengths and certain certain weaknesses, and not everyone's, you know, just because you're dyslexic doesn't mean that it's an umbrella, right? So there's there's different ways, there's different spectrums of it, um, and I love that you from an early age you knew that you. We're going to put the, like, if you put tons of effort into it, it would, you would have the outcome that you would want. So there's a little bit of a perfectionism in you that I'm hearing. Do you agree with that?
1: Uh, oh, without doubt, I would say that there are, as I understand, about five different categories of dyslexia, at, at least according to one of the models. And, and one of those is um, the phonetic kind of ability to pick up a sound and connect it with a letter. And that's where my weakness is. So when okay. I write today, the way I write is literally I know how the the, the word will look in letters. Right. But, but if somebody says a name and I, I've worked a lot, I mean around the world, including places where people are not called the same as where I grew up. Right. <laughs> I have no idea how I mean I mean I mean even, even even guessing the first three letters is typically for me kind of quite a challenge if I haven't seen it in writing.
0: Right, 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 right. But I mean just the whole pronouncing someone else's name from a different country. I I I share this when I first went into the business world, I was an assistant and so I had to answer the phones and you know write the person's name down and give <laughs> my boss the the note like this person called. Well, I would get off the phone and I'd be like, "Oh crap, I don't know how to spell their name." And so he oh, literally i said to him i was like listen i don't want to be an assistant assistant i know this is a stepping stool i suck at this like this is not my strength at all and you're gonna it's I'm, I'm i'm trying i'm really trying thank goodness i had a boss that you know would joke and be like all right all right like sometimes i'd just pick up the phone i'm like can you just get it because i don't he said the name but i can't pronounce it again <laughs> like i can't say it <laughs> but I
1: mean, I, and then, then people are people are gen- uh, people are generally very nice um so then they they spell their name but most people they have spelled a name so many times. It goes so fast. I, again, after four or five <laughs> letters, I'm like lost. And it's really, it's. And, and other people would not believe that this is true. but That's how it is. Right. Especially because
0: where you are in your, I mean, in your in your business. I mean, you have climbed, you know, I mean, in, in the whole cliche, every ladder and have gotten to the top in, in, in many, in many, you know, aspects. You've written a book. You've helped so many people and so many organizations with their leadership. To make other leaders better, um, but communicating and connecting with people. Yeah. And you can feel that here.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, but, but, but and, and now we talk a little bit about learning in life and, um, As I've been climbing that ladder, my, my confidence has also been growing that I must be doing some of the things okay. Right. But still, sometimes it, it's done in ways where I realize I do it very differently than other people. I mean, right. back to the thing about how on earth do I know this? And how do I know that? And yeah. But that, that's because well, I pick up signals from many places where other people would typically go to one source and then they would repeat the source. But because I'm not... I mean, I didn't grow up like that. I I typically have a very multifaceted perspective on things. Which,
0: Which has been, you know, which has been successful for you. But the other thing is, and I touched on this a little bit, you know, I believe in God. Some people believe in the universe. I actually believe in both, but you are in what, you know, God created you for exactly what you're doing. And it, and it shows, you know, when, when we find that what God has created for us, And we are in that path, that flow. You know, no, it's not always easy, but you feel the flow and you're like, okay, and every time it's like, okay, am I in the right spot? And then something happens. You know, that's so cool to to feel that and, and be connected with people and then be like, okay, I keep doing. I'm out there daydreaming. And then this just came, you know, came to fruition and this just came from fruition. And I just met these people here. And it's such a cool thing to be in that path. And you, you clearly are in that path.
1: Do you agree with that? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm typically using slightly different words, but but I think the sum of it I I clearly experience. And and, uh, I, I think when you see yourself as lucky, and when you look at setbacks or weaknesses as opportunities, then then you're in a pretty good position, because on, of course, I'm, I'm super privileged in many ways. I mean, so. but you've worked really hard for it, though. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, 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 but again, from the outside, for a lot of people, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I've been very, I mean, grown up with with loving parents, and, and I mean, been been lucky with a lot of things. But, but yes.
0: <laughs> but yeah, but but as you said, I mean, you work harder than probably the average person to be where you are because. Of dyslexia, and because you know you have a, you know you hold yourself at a certain a certain level, which is you know it, which is which is great, but that's why you know you are successful. So I you know I loved this conversation. I said to you, you know, when mm-hmm. we met and we talked, and you know at first it was like, well, you know, I'm we're, we could talk about the book, and and then when you started talking a little bit more, I was like, oh my god, I'm fascinated by you because of all. The things that you have done and in the world, um, raising a family, you know, having you know your wife, and just um, I, I'm excited to continue to watch you, watch you grow and 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 learn from you. I mean, really.
1: <laughs> no, thank you so much, and also, say, I mean, as I said, I'm lucky. I really enjoyed uh, this this whole thing. Um, uh, so so, thank you for for all your energy and enthusiasm. It's really been a joy to prepare and also be here on the call.
0: Yes, thank you. And guys, you can find Nikolai, his website is here, but he also hangs out on LinkedIn. And that is his name. If you're driving and you're like, I can't see it, we're going to spell it and I'm going to spell it.
1: <laughs> Correct me. Slowly, if if anybody ever-
0: <laughs> yeah, right. So it's Nikolai, N-I-C-O-L-A-I and then Tillish. I said that right this time, right? T-I-L-L-I-S-C-H. And that's .com. You can find him there. You can email. They can find all your information on your
1: website. Correct, Nikolai? I mean, I, I think I have offered quite a lot of information. I mean, given how interesting I am, I think I think I think I've given enough. <laughs> <laughs> this this is, I love that, right?
0: <laughs> this is good. Well, you were on holiday, so I also appreciate you because no, we've no, had. No, this. It's not
1: a big holiday. It's just it's a public holiday in Denmark. Like, it's fine. It's, it's, it's yeah, great. but
0: still, you had to spend some time with the kids, and I know we we had switched a couple of times because my listeners know I had two boys that have broken limbs, and we had to. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been uh, kooky over here, but as we all know, us you know anyone out there that's parents, building a business, being a parent, you know, living life, we have all these things that are thrown at us, and we just have to not ever let them take over and and make an experience define us. We have to take an experience, and we have to learn to live with it, embrace it, run with it, and it you know and and take life as it comes, and not again let it define us. So. Nikolai, I thank you so much for joining YNS Live here on Fireside. Wherever you guys are listening, if you were on, I know we had a couple, I had a couple internet stuff. So if you were on LinkedIn and we lost you, I'm so sorry. Um, but if you were there, if you're YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and here again on Fireside, and you guys will be able to have this episode on any of your podcast players in a, uh, in a couple of weeks, and we will let you guys know. But Nikolai, thank you so much again, and I'm excited so to be in to touch you. with you and um, watch you grow and, and, again, as I said, learn from you. And thank, thank you, you and everyone.
1: Likewise, I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Thank you for doing thank what you. you're doing. Take care. Yes,
0: thank you and thank you to Mark, Will, Cindy, Rachel, and Katie. And I know there's been people in and out, um, but for joining us here live in the show, Uh, we appreciate your time and for here, you know, listening to Nikolai's wonderful, uh, wonderful story. And you know, if you are out there listening and you are dyslexic, it doesn't define you, (laughs) and you can literally do anything you ever want to do. We are actually cooler than most people,
1: (laughs) right, Nikolai? (laughs) Normally we keep it a secret, but today it's official.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: (laughs) Super, good.
0: Bye, everyone. Oh, and some slow music leaving us. (laughs) Take care. Bye, everyone.